This episode is provided to you by Clara Labs. Clara Labs is making it easier for you to focus on the things that matter by providing a 24-7 virtual assistant to handle all of your scheduling needs. Here's how it works. All you have to do is CC Clara in your email thread, and Clara will take it from there. Clara is responsive, reliable, and simple to use. For more information, visit www.claralabs.com. This episode is brought to you by Flatiron School. Flatiron School is an outcomes-focused coding bootcamp offering the best in software engineering education online and in New York City. For more information, visit flatiron500.com or check out the Giants and Crowns Partners page at www.giantsandcrowns.com forward slash partners. My name is Viraj Puri. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Gotham Greens. We're a New York City-based modern farming company. Uh, We got our start in Brooklyn in in 2011. Uh, My background is actually not in food production. Mm -hmm. I was working broadly in the field of sustainability and clean tech. And I had an opportunity to work on a really interesting greenhouse project, which was my first exposure to farming or uh, horticulture or growing plants, really. And I was immediately just fascinated by the technology. It was just such a great way to grow food. using a fraction of the resources compared to conventional farming. And so I really approached it from a, from a resource consumption standpoint. I, I geeked out on the fact that we could grow all this amazing, bountiful produce using 10 times, 15 times less water than conventional farming, uh, using 20 times less land than conventional farming. And I just started to read much more about the modern agricultural system and to see what an enormous impact it has on natural resources. It's the largest consumer of land on the planet, largest consumer of fresh water. Um, It's a leading cause of global water pollution. And then you've got all these other macro themes, uh, population growth, urbanization, climate change. And it just seemed like it was an industry that, that needed better solutions to be able to feed more mouths while using fewer resources. Um, And frankly, just producing, a better quality product. And at the same time, as I was learning more about greenhouse technology, one couldn't ignore all the shifting trends in the marketplace uh, with consumers increasingly caring about Hmm. their food supply, the supply chain, the provenance of the food, uh, who's making it, where is it coming from, what's in it. You know, we started to see the popularity of farmers markets um, increase, the proliferation of farm-to-table restaurants and celebrity chefs touting sort of farm-to-fork. So the other part of my brain sort of turned on and realized that, hey, there's a whole market out here too for consumers who actually will value produce that's grown Mm. in 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 a more sustainable ecological way. So the light bulb went off that, hey, let's combine this great technology um, it's resource efficient and, and very sustainable with with a marketplace, and maybe we can combine those two and create a company that could satisfy those needs. So that's how the concept of Gotham Greens was born um, around 2010 with with two partners of mine, and uh, we got started and built our first greenhouse in 2011 uh, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Greenpoint was going through a pretty exciting kind of renaissance at that time and we were excited to be a part of it we were 
immediately challenged with the whole real estate aspect of it here here we were wanting to do farming in in one of the most dense most populated urban centers around the world right with very high real estate prices it was that still the case with greenpoint yeah okay yeah especially in 2011 i wonder what that was the ecosystem in greenpoint's like it was definitely changing i mean it's it's a really diverse neighborhood and when i say diverse i mean people but also just the use of real estate it's it's a blend of residential but also industrial yeah um a lot of commercial um you've got a lot of film studios out there you've got the city's largest wastewater treatment plant newtown creek right there and it's also sort of the whole neighborhood is bifurcated by mcginnis boulevard so you've got the sort of waterfront area and then you've got to the east of McGinnis Boulevard, you've got a lot of residential and then mixed with industrial. So really interesting time. Um, but, you know, we were really challenged with the real estate part of it. Like, where are we going to get a couple acres to start farming, right? Mm. So we started looking at rooftops of, of industrial buildings as a viable alternative. I mean, here we have acres and acres of unused space. Um, so we started pitching landlords. Hey, can we, can we, can, can we lease your roof? So we got laughed out of a lot of rooms. Yeah, I bet. We we got chased away, um, and, but we found a couple. We found a couple landlords who said, "Hey, this could be cool. If you could pay me a few bucks, and mm. you know, we can monetize our roof a little bit and and grow produce. Why not?" And then, unfortunately, some buildings just didn't work. Either the architecture, or this engineering didn't work, or we couldn't get the zoning approvals or the permitting. So everything had to sort of align. And we were fortunate enough that that, that took place in, in late 2010. And by mid-2011, we had this state-of-the-art, climate-controlled greenhouse built, uh, 15,000 square feet, which wow. in the scheme of farming is small, but still a multi-million dollar sort of building project. Yeah, in New York City, that's a lot of square footage. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And what was really what's really cool about the productivity of these systems is that, that we achieve yields at about 25 times that of conventional farming. Okay. So what that means is that 15,000 square feet, let's say, is about a third of an acre. We're producing yields equivalent to a 10, 15 acre farm mm. out of that third of an acre, mm. just given the yield productivity. So we got started with the science project and Within a few short months, we were completely sold out of the produce. We just couldn't grow it fast enough. I mean, there were chefs banging down our door, just raving about the quality of the product, the consistency. They loved that it was locally grown, that it wasn't changing hands, that it wasn't being shipped from California or Central America, mm. places that are three, four, five thousand 5,000 miles away, right. uh, which has a serious impact on the quality and the nutrition and the taste and the texture of things like leafy greens, which are so perishable. Mm. And retailers started picking up the products like uh, Whole Foods Market, Fresh Direct, smaller independent stores, D'Agostino. And so that's when my partners and I kind of looked at one another and realized that we were, we were onto something here, that this really could be a scalable, viable business. Mm. Um, and then we were approached with a really interesting opportunity with Whole Foods. There are probably one of our largest customers at the time. And they said, hey, we're, we're planning a really interesting new store in Gowanus, Brooklyn. Um, 
which for listeners who may not be aware, is uh, a very, very interesting neighborhood. I would say in some ways a lot more interesting than Greenpoint even. It is on the banks of a, a super fun site, which is the Gowanus Canal, which is just really, really toxic. And Whole Foods had this vision. It's sort of nestled between um, Carroll Gardens and Park Slope, which are, which are um, pretty nice residential communities. And Gowanus is this little industrial strip um, right. in, in the middle. And Whole Foods had this vision to build this massive suburban-style store on a brownfield site. So it required massive environmental cleanup and remediation. And they had this vision to do this really ecologically green store. So run on renewable energy and recycled water and made of recycled building materials. Um, and they loved the idea of potentially integrating some sort of agriculture, high-tech agriculture onto the roof. So we got to talking with Whole Foods and essentially devised a plan to build a large greenhouse on the roof of their store. So we, we cut a real estate deal and... Um, we own and operate this this massive greenhouse on top of Whole Foods, which really takes this idea of food miles down to like absolutely. You just you just suddenly get downstairs, right? Just down the elevator, <laughs> down the stairs, three hundred sixty five days of the year. That's awesome. So that got us a lot of tr- traction. You know, subsequently we've 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 raised more capital, we've built more greenhouses, and and we've increased the size of our greenhouses. So we have a large one in Jamaica Queens, which is sixty thousand square feet. And then two years ago, we expanded to Chicago, uh, which represented our first kind of foray into a new market. We wanted to test to see if our model and brand would would work in another large city. Mm. Um, And it has. Mm. It's been incredibly successful. Um, Chicagoans have really embraced the Gotham Greens brand, where products are available available widely all through Chicago, restaurants, um, catering companies, retailers. And so we're, we've now grown to about 160 employees. Uh, we're producing something like 20 million heads of lettuce a year from our four greenhouses and uh, are starting to look at other cities now. And mm-hmm. so, you know, our vision is to, is, to, is to really farm all over the country on a local scale. So do you guys do more than, like what kind of, what kind of greens do you guys produce? So lettuce and spinach and things of that sort? Yeah, we're pretty dialed into leafy greens. We have grown tomatoes before, which mm. were really successful. And we've grown a variety of other crops, but we found a real sweet spot in the market for leafy greens. So that's all your different lettuce varieties, right. things like butter lettuce and romaine, um, green leaf, red leaf, oak leaves. Uh, and then as you move out of the lettuce family, but still staying with greens, things like arugula and kale, um, bok choy the asian greens and then herbs things like basil and cilantro and are those like are those newer entries because i'm seeing that on your site now are those like what was like sort of the product development if you will of the greens yeah like pretty much out of the gate we launched with all the lettuces and and Mm. some of the herbs and we've we've since trialed thousands of varieties different seed varieties over the years but yeah, currently we're we're probably growing about twenty different kinds. Okay. Um, as we've gotten bigger and have created more real estate and more production space, we've been able to diversify the crop selection even further. Okay. And also starting to get into some other products, food products that are made with ingredients that we grow in our greenhouses. So our pesto, uh, made from our basil, has developed a little bit of a cult following. Um, 
here in New York, and then we launched it in Chicago a few months ago as well. So you produce that in partnership with a, a chef, or like that's how does right. it work? Got that's it. right. Yeah. So you guys take the greens from your facilities, take it over to a kitchen that's not owned by you guys, it's owned by somebody else, and produce Gotham Greens pesto. Exactly. Got it's it. all still locally produced. We've got right. a kitchen in Brooklyn. We have a kitchen in Chicago, and as we expand to new markets, we'll we'll produce it in those markets as well because we really want to be local and yeah. artisanal and authentic in each market that we go to That's and awesome. have meaningful local partnerships. And we want consumers to really understand that, that this food is being produced in super close proximity to where they live and eat and work. Got it. So let's take a step back. Um, when you started in 2010, 2011, your two co-founders, how did you guys capitalize this kind of business? Because it is, I'd imagine it's an, an, uh, a resource intensive endeavor. It certainly is. The, for the first one was the most amount of work, obviously, because yeah. we, were, we were just selling a concept. Uh, we did some of the standard things, man. We, we, we went to friends and family, did the, kind of the angel investment dog and pony show. We talked to some family members and friends who were doing a little bit of angel investing and trying to get 15000 bucks here, 20000 bucks here, yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing. We... We're fortunate that we won a business plan competition, which mm. which had a small cash prize and some other in-kind services like legal and accounting and web development, things that are all very valuable. But more than anything, that just gave us a little bit of credibility, um, got us some media exposure. So we were fortunate to just meet people through, through that process. Given the strong kind of science and research and development component to what we were doing we we looked for some r&d grants as well um and so we were able to get one from from the state of new york mm. to really study um the environmental impact and the life cycle analysis of, of produce grown in these high-tech greenhouses versus more conventional produce that's grown thousands of miles away and so that that was a nice um chunk of funding that also helped and then we went out got some loans as well so really it's pretty pretty diverse capital stack uh but once we had the first greenhouse operational and we're showing good profitable economics we started getting the attention of, of larger investors more institutional investors larger um family offices and mm. more sophisticated professional investors basically so since then we've done a couple rounds of funding as you noted, uh, greenhouses are capital intensive. They're, yeah. they're, they're not literally, but figuratively speaking, brick and mortar um, facilities. So there's, there's certainly a high build out cost and kind of a, a real estate development component um, to each project that we do. Mm. So it was a bit of a challenge, but uh, fortunately now it, it seems like there's a lot of interest in the whole food space broadly. I know that's such a broad term, but whether it's food tech or disruptive consumer products in the food scene or disrupting supply chains. Uh, food has really captured the, the interest of the venture capital and private equity world. So th there seems to be a lot of capital out there right now. Yeah. What's, what's been your most, um, I guess, exciting or uh, challenging part of the last call it four, six years, six years? Mm -hmm. What's been like the most challenging or exciting piece of it? Yeah, that, 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 that's a great question. I would kind of say that it's, it's probably one and the same. So the most exciting has been the most challenging, which is 
just growing the business and yeah. just proving to ourselves and our stakeholders that we can scale. Um, it's been very challenging because our first greenhouse, while it was on a commercial scale, was only 15,000 square feet. You know, now we've got 20 times that space, right? It's just so much more complex growing and manufacturing food products at scale. Mm. Uh, plants are not widgets. They're, they're, they're biological, living, breathing things, and they require a great degree of, of know-how and, and, and care to grow, frankly speaking. So, you know, growing picture-perfect lettuce in a, in a room that's 10 by 10 is very different from doing it in a room that's 1,000 by 1,000, right? You know, it just it's all, it, it, the stakes are much higher. Things like food safety are incredibly important. Um, maintaining quality and then as you scale things just become more complex with logistics and distribution and, and operations so that's been the biggest challenge has just been scaling um, because there's not a ton of precedent for what we do you know we're certainly not the first greenhouse company or the first controlled environment agriculture company I mean there are dozens out there from around the world but we're certainly one of the first if not the first to really aim to do it on this very sort of decentralized urban scale. Mm. So it's brought a lot of challenges, um, which we've overcome, which has been the exciting part, right. right? So that's why I sort of said that the challenge has been been sort of in line with, with the excitement. So it's, you know, we're obviously proud to walk into our greenhouses and see dozens of employees working and just, you know, rows and rows and rows of, of, of delicious tasting and looking um, produce and seeing the market penetration. So pretty much being able to walk into any supermarket in New York or Chicago and find our products on the shelf is, is certainly really rewarding. Mm. So what would you say, um, how has the business changed? It's certainly evolved. I feel like it's evolving every day. Yeah. I feel like HR is probably one of the areas that takes up a disproportionate amount of time for all, all three of us because we have an ever-evolving organizational structure. You know, we're building as we go along, mm. um, training up some young people who have been with us from the beginning, moving into much larger operational roles, mm. uh, bringing in new talent, um, mid-career professionals who have uh, decades of experience, um, in operations and manufacturing, sales and marketing. So we did and continue to wear a lot of different hats. Uh, when we started the business, I was doing everything from construction management to sales and marketing and fundraising. And, uh, and the same goes for my partners. I think it really helped that we had complementary skill sets going into the business. Um, Eric, who is our CFO, has a finance background. Um, he worked in banking and private equity for, for a number of years. Jen is our chief greenhouse officer. She's a plant scientist and has um, a bunch of great experience um, and academic credentials in, in horticulture and plant science. So those were sort of the building blocks. In my background more in project management. Um, um, and clean tech. So complementary skill sets have certainly helped. And then we've sort of added team members um, along the way. And we do a lot of in-house training, which is fun. Um, agriculture and urban farming is increasingly popular 
um, with with sort of young people now. Mm-hmm. It's it's a career field that has seen a decline through the '80s and '90s and and the aughts, and now is sort of seeing a bit of a rebound um, as people are increasingly interested in food issues and wanting to reconnect with food and how food is produced mm. and grown. Um, so that's been exciting for us because we we get dozens of applicants um, every month who, who want to join the team in, in various capacities. So we've been doing a lot of training in-house as well because a lot of people come with only a very cursory knowledge of, of plant sciences, a great interest in food issues and food systems, but maybe not as much of the technical skills required. Mm-hmm. So we do a bunch of training in the house, which is cool as well. What, at what level is that the most important, the understanding of like the food science and, and all that? Well, certainly for certain roles. I mean, like the greenhouse team really needs to be dialed into plant physiology, nutrition, chemistry, pest management, um, environmental controls in the greenhouse. That That's pretty technical. So it certainly helps if people have at least a pretty good grounding in science, um, ideally some sort of biology or, or botany degree um, certainly helps, but they aren't all skill sets that, that, that can't be taught. So we certainly teach some of them, but that's sort of one side of the business, right? I mean, there's everything else from processing and packaging and distribution, logistics, um, things like traceability, accountability, and, and then you've got all your other typical job functions that you would find um, in, a, in a medium-sized company, accounting, finance, HR, sales, marketing, mm-hmm. et cetera. So do you, see, uh, do you see Gotham Greens going to places like Minneapolis and, and Florida and into that sort of, or is there like a particular type of ecosystem, urban center that works really well with uh, a greenhouse-driven business? Not necessarily. I think the beauty of greenhouses is that it's really controlled environment agriculture. So, so as the name implies, we're, we're controlling the environment mm-hmm. in the greenhouses to create these optimal growing conditions. So we're pretty agnostic to what's going on outside. Mm-hmm. And what's very compelling about the technology is it can be deployed really in any city and any climate. Now, granted, some might be slightly better than others in terms of maybe humidity and temperature and sunlight. Those are all still variables that we can control for. So we don't believe there's any limits on where we can, where we can build greenhouses. I think there's a, a market for this, frankly, globally in cities around the world. We're an increasingly urbanizing species. Mm-hmm. Um, 70% of the world's population now lives in cities, which requires that food, once it's grown and harvested has to be transported to get into cities. And so Chicago was our first sort of step into a new market, but uh, I think we're going to be looking at at all kinds of cities, not just in the United States, but overseas as well. Um, But making sure we do it in sort of a thoughtful, Mm -hmm. thoughtful way where, where we have good partners on the ground um, in each market, uh, feeling like we really understand the local nuances of, of, of culture and economics and, and geography. Um, we don't necessarily want to just drop these in dozens of cities and, and without really understanding the unique features of each market. Um, so 
yeah, I think the cities you named are both great, great options, right? I think Minneapolis is a fine city and some great cities in Florida as well. So yeah, I think, I think, I think you'll definitely see us in, in a bunch, in a bunch of new cities in the coming years. Cool. Um, so I guess what's, what's next for Gotham Greens? What's next for you? Just getting better at what we do, you know, just putting our head down and making sure we continue to just have really good quality product, um, provide good customer service, um, be efficient, make ourselves better, um, stay true to our roots in sustainability, which is really important. That's why we got into this business. So continue to try to grow produce um, in the most ecological, sustainable way possible. Obviously, reconciling that with financial viability and sustainability and continue to make a positive impact um, to our stakeholders and the communities in which we in which we serve. Um, good programming with community partners, uh, whether it's helping on food access issues or neighborhood revitalization, um, health and wellness education. You guys do a lot of work on that side, on the food access and uh, neighborhood revitalization? We try to do some work in it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's our core focus, but we, we certainly try to be good good stewards. So mm -hmm. we partner with a number of organizations. For instance, we work with um, the New York City Parks Department. We donate thousands of seedlings to them every week that then get used in community gardens and mm. get used in school gardens, partner with the hundreds of schools. So we partner with a lot of other organizations who then do the actual programming and the deployment. Um, in terms of food access, uh, in Chicago, we're working on an interesting bodega, what, what they call corner stores there, program to get subsidized produce into corner stores in the south side of Chicago. So we're doing that in concert with the University of Chicago and, and Method Products and, and a few other companies. Um, we work with food rescue organizations like City Harvest and in Chicago, the Greater Chicago Food Depository. So yeah, it's definitely something important to us. We work with local economic development groups for, mm. for job training and job placement. So it's not something that, that we want to pat on the back for necessarily. It's not a, you know, we're not a, a charitable organization in that regard, but we feel like they're not mutually exclusive, which is continuing our business and building building it and also just being responsible stewards in our communities. Right. So what do you what do you think um, from a business standpoint would be like what what are some accelerators for your kind of business in terms of like I imagine having larger distribution beyond Whole Foods, which I'm sure you already have, um, but let's say getting like exclusive partnership with Amazon. Like what's like what is uh, what is like what are like the windfalls that exist from an ecosystem standpoint? particularly on like the distribution side, but then maybe even on the product side or like consumer awareness. Like what are those things that you think really multiply the business? I think the greatest multiplier probably is consumer awareness. Mm. Um, just the fact that when we started this business, people thought we were a little crazy. They didn't really think all that much about food and produce and where it was coming from and mm. the merits of it being grown locally or in an urban area. I mean, there was certainly a small subsect of folks who are passionate foodies and understand the food system, but it was far from mainstream. I think over the past decade or so, the increasing consumer awareness around local food and the benefits of food that's grown locally versus thousands of miles away have become more apparent to people. So I think that's been the most positive force for change because you have retailers now increasingly wanting more of their stores having local products right you have more restaurants demanding it you have 
more institutional food service customers, um, you know, wanting it for stadiums and cafeterias mm. and, and, and catering events and things like that. So I think that's, that's the most important catalyst. Um, if, there's a, if there's a demand and if there's a pull for it, then obviously companies like ours can create a supply for of course. it, right, and continue to grow. Right. Um, I think the goal is to get the produce in as many mouths or on as many plates as possible. So uh, the more the more demand, I think it's better for better for us. Like we, it motivates us to create more supply. Is automation something you guys think about? Yeah, we've been we've been experimenting with a lot of automation, and our in fact our our two newest greenhouses are far more automated than than the first two automation is can certainly help but it's always tricky you want you want to sort of get to the sweet spot you know you don't maybe don't want to make it too automated but you want it somewhat automated you want to get savings out of it but you want to make sure you're not compromising on quality and and things like that so you know automation is not a panacea but yeah there's certain tasks um Mm. in the process uh which can really speed up um the assembly line, so to speak, and 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 reduce cost savings. Obviously, automation requires more capex up front, usually. Right. But yes, we're very excited about advancements in in automation. Um, very excited about advancements being made in uh, machine learning um, and just computer control systems to to monitor climate and make well informed decisions in the greenhouse to create the optimal conditions. Um, there's a lot of work going on in Europe um, in these in these areas. So hardware and software is all getting a lot better. Mm. So it's, it's it's an exciting time to be in our industry for sure. Um, all right, cool. So I want to jump over into our quick fire questions. All right, uh, hit me. And I've already sort of teased you a little bit with the first question. Uh, so Biggie or Tupac? Biggie. <laughs> you don't even hesitate. Why, why is that? I'm in New York. I'm an East Coast guy. So, <laughs> okay. you know, that's... Uh, that, that's a big part of it. Are you um, from New York? I, I spent my childhood in New York and Chicago, got actually. It. Got it, got it, got it. Um, I, look, I, I love the West Coast. Tupac is great, too. Don't get me wrong. But, of course. But that's a no-brainer for me. Okay. Uh, so your spirit animal? I'm going to have to go with tiger. Okay. T- tiger is my favorite animal. Why, why, why tiger? So i have family roots in india that's where that's where my family's from and tigers are sort of top of the food chain there you know it's a it's a it's a beautiful animal it's a majestic animal it's an animal that i've seen in its natural habitat going on safari as a young kid in india um and it's it's also got like mythological um history um and yeah, it's just 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 an awesome awesome animal, which unfortunately is losing a lot of habitat and yeah. uh, highly endangered, but but still a really really awesome animal. Hmm. Uh, favorite book? Wow. Um, or book most recent book that comes to the top of mind? Uh, so I'm a relatively new father, so I read a well, book. Congrats, man! Um, thank you, thank you. So I read a book. I don't get a lot of time to read, unfortunately. Um, certainly don't get time to read fiction. <laughs> So I've been struggling my way through a really compelling book about about kids um, and childhood development called How, How Children Succeed. So that's been really cool, just seeing my my little boy evolve over the last couple couple of years. He's two, um, so it's kind of been fun to read alongside some of the some of the science and the theory behind that. Mm. How wh- who's that by? How Children Succeed. 
No worries. I'm blanking, <laughs> I'm blanking on it. Yeah. I just made a note of it. Um, what's your favorite song or the song that comes to mind? Um, well, I've got a lot of work to do today, so I feel like I'm bouncing around my chair. So I'm going to say bouncing around the room. Fish. <laughs> That's pretty fitting. Um, okay. If you were doing anything other than this, what would that be? Working. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, working. Um, no, look, I, I, my, if I'm not working, I want to be out nor close to a city. You know, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm an urbanist. I'm a futurist. I love cities. But where I really find peace is out in the mountains and super rural, like kind of wilderness areas. Mm. So if I wasn't doing this right now or not working, I would probably be on a mountain or on a lake or on a river somewhere. I feel it. I can see it as well. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. This has been fun, man. Thanks a lot. Team.